All roads lead to power. And on this show, we're going to break that idea down a little bit. What is power? Who has it? How do you get it? We'll deconstruct everything from motivation and mental health to anti-racism and addiction. Ultimately, the goal is to give you the tools and strategies that you need to live your most powerful life, being a force for good in the world and impacting the people around you in a positive way. Powerful is brought to you by me, your host, Jeff Kular. I help people change and build incredible teams. Welcome to the show. realization that power without love is reckless and abusive and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Because the so-called real world of men and money and power comes merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship itself. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline. If people don't learn power, people don't wake up. If they don't wake up, they get left out. Welcome to today's episode of Powerful, where we're going to actually talk about self-care in the chaos. And so we're going to shift gears a little bit. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about building powerful communities. And I know that if you've tuned in to catch an episode about that, uh, because we've been following along and interviewing some of the Basecamp folks, um, sorry, uh, we're shifting gears. There's a global pandemic happening, I'm sure you're well aware of. And here in Alberta, Canada, we're actually under some pretty significant, uh, not necessarily quarantine, but social distancing. So we're keeping away from people and spending a lot of time in our houses. Uh, schools are out and there's, you know, a lot of things are closed. A lot of public facilities are shut down. The gyms, the restaurants, you know, a lot of things that are open right now are grocery stores, pharmacies, and hospitals. And so I thought... What better time to talk about the need for self-care and how to build your own resilience and the resilience of your family than a time like right now. And so I thought I'd shift gears a little bit for the next you know, week or two or three, who knows how long, and talk about building resilience and talk about building flexibility and adaptability and talk about self-care because the power that we have, whether that's our role power or our status power or our personal power, uh, it's only as good as the container that it's in, inside of. And if we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't look after you know, our physical, mental, and emotional health, then our power uh, is greatly diminished. Our power to choose, our power to cope, our power to take action, to keep ourselves and our family safe, and to weather the storm that we're all finding ourselves in, that's uh, greatly diminished. And that doesn't seem like something that we should let happen. So let's talk about self-care. And let's move past the conversation about yoga and green tea and a glass of red wine and white knuckling our way to the weekend, which is sometimes what happens when we start talking about self-care. We start talking about the practices of self-care, the things that we do, uh, the going for a walk in the sunshine, reading your favorite book, having a bubble bath, right? All of these things are great. I'm not disparaging them. I'm not trying to diminish them in this conversation. But I am going to suggest that they're not enough, and that if they were enough, we wouldn't be dealing with an epidemic, not just of coronavirus and COVID-19, um, but this epidemic of burnout. And I'm going to talk about burnout in some later episodes, um, because really what happens when we get something like a pandemic come through our communities is it highlights and it makes worse all of the pre-existing fragility, all of the pre-existing cracks in the system start to become really apparent. Whether those are cracks in the economy, which we're probably going to see down the road here, 
or cracks in the, the foundations of society and the foundations of families and our own mental health and physical wellness uh, starts to become pretty apparent how we're doing when stress gets applied to a system. And so some of you might know, most of you probably don't, but um, part of my background is actually in environmental management. So I spent a few years in school doing a master's degree in environmental management. And some of my absolutely favorite classes were actually systems classes, systems thinking, systems theories around why do systems behave in the way that they behave. And so I'm going to pull from some of that literature and some of that knowledge and experience that I have to talk about building systems of self-care and systems of resilience in our families first in ourselves, then in our families, but also in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our organizations. And so it's obviously a pretty big conversation, and we're not going to tackle it all at once. Today, I'm going to just talk about self-care and moving us past the, the this notion again that it's the practices that matter, although those are you know important things, and start to talk a bit about the strategies of self-care. And we're going to start with the first strategy, which is to move away from this idea that self-care and, and wellness is about balance. There's a lot of conversation about you just need to find some balance and you just need to balance work and you need to balance life and you need to balance this and that. And I think balance is kind of bullshit. At least my experience of balance hasn't actually been that helpful or trying to balance um, because it brings up this notion of a teeter-totter, you know, a multidimensional teeter-totter. And on each side of this teeter-totter, we've got some things that are important to us. And the goal is to have them in a state of equilibrium. Um, that's really fragile. That's really precarious. And I'm not very good at it. And most of the people that I know aren't very good at being able to just keep work here and life here and our fitness over here and our relationships solid over there um, because life is messy and life is way more integrated than we like to think um, and putting boundaries uh, although an important self-care strategy and we're going to talk about boundaries quite a bit um, trying to achieve balance is something that seems to be untenable it seems to be something that is just always out of reach and so instead of thinking about balance and, and the teeter-totter metaphor, I'm going to introduce you to something you might have heard about it. Um, it's this idea that life is like a jar. And inside that jar, um, we put things that are important to us. And so there's a, a story, a metaphor of a university professor that stands at the front of the class and he has this empty jar. And he asks, he puts some, some golf balls in it. And he asks, and it fills it up with golf balls. And he asks the, the the class is this jar full and of course everybody says yes because there's no more room for golf balls and then he proceeds to take some marbles and shake the jar a little bit and put some marbles in and of course there's room for some marbles um, and then he asks again is the jar full and everyone says well yes and he takes some sand and he puts the sand in same process and fills the jar up um, but importantly, he did it in the order of golf balls first, then marbles, then sand. And then I think he actually ends with putting some water in the jar as well to fill all the little spaces, right? If we do it in reverse, if we put the water in first, well, then of course, there's not going to be room for the sand. And as soon as you try and put something else in, it's going to start overflowing with the water. And the same goes if the marbles go in first. There isn't any room for the golf balls. And so I use the, that analogy to talk about strategies and, and principles of self-care and to think about life more like this jar and that jar can represent whatever it needs to represent for you it can be your time it can be your energy it can be your money it can be your resources but we only have so much to, to fill up and to, to prioritize and that's really what self-care comes down to is prioritization right what's most important to me and am i making sure that i put that into my jar first 
And so I usually only have time and space in my life for a couple of really, you know, high level priority items. And then I fill the rest of the space with things that are, that are less important. And I find that I suffer the most. My self-care is out the window. As soon as I start to fill my day up with other people's priorities, things that are important to them, things that I think I should do out of a sense of maybe obligation um, or shame or who knows what, right? And so we're going to talk about saying yes and saying no, because those are pretty essential self-care strategies. But before we get there, I want you to think about how big your jar is right now, because I also believe that it's not just what we're putting in the jar, but the the actual size of the container. Because I know that the size of my jar actually fluctuates pretty dramatically, right? Sometimes within the course of a day, um, but certainly within the course of a couple of days or a week, I can have days where my jar is actually pretty small, right? I didn't sleep very well. Uh, the dog just had hip surgery. The kids are out of school. Um, you know, all these things can accumulate and the size of my container actually shrinks and things feel like they're starting to spill out, right? And in that circumstance, the only thing that I can really do is hit the pause button and figure out is what is in the jar the most important things that should be in the jar. And so let's take today, for example, because the kids are home, off school, as is my wife, uh, but she's a teacher, and so she's scrambling to try and figure out how she's going to continue to teach her students for the next little while. And so I was doing, you know, double and triple duty when usually I get to work from home by myself with the dogs, and it's pretty casual. Um, Suddenly I find myself, I've got about an hour maybe two hours in the course of the day to actually get some work done and make some calls. And then it's getting the kids outside to build a snow fort and it's doing lunch and it's walking the dog and it's getting groceries. And, you know, pretty quickly things can start to accumulate. And I realized that about three o'clock that I hadn't gone for a run. And running is really important to me um, for a wide variety of reasons, you know, mental health certainly, but also physical health and diabetes management. And so, I had to prioritize, I had to reprioritize, I had to reshuffle and say, okay, I've only got, it's four o'clock. I only have a certain amount of time. What am I going to do with it? And I'm going to choose to go for a run because that's a higher priority item than recording this podcast. It's now nine o'clock at night, but I knew that I would rather record a podcast at nine o'clock than go for a run. Uh, So that's the kind of thing that we have to bring into account or we have to account for the size of our container on a moment-to-moment, day-to-day basis, right? Because some days are better than others. And if we treat all days as if they're the same and we have the same capacity to get everything done, I think we're setting ourselves up for having important things not fit into our jar and having other things spill out when we try. Okay, on to strategy number two for building better self-care, especially in the chaos. And this is a bit of a rule. I think I picked it up from, I mean, it's probably Tim Ferriss or Derek Sivers, maybe one of those podcasts. It's this idea of heck yes, right? Something needs to be a heck yes, otherwise it should be a no. It's when we say yes to things half-heartedly or out of obligation or out of fear of rejection or shame or missing out. You know, all of these really bad reasons to say yes to things. When we do say yes, again, going back to that jar metaphor, we're filling up our jar with other people's priorities, other people's sense of what's important, our own obligations, whether they're real or whether we've made them up in our own heads about what we should be doing. If it's not a heck yes, if it's not something that absolutely aligns with your priorities, with, let's say, the three most important things in your life, right? if it doesn't clearly align with those things, then we probably should be saying no as the default. Unfortunately, a lot of us have our default set to yes. 
our default is, sure, I can help you with that thing, or sure, I'll meet for coffee, or sure, I'll go to that dinner party that I don't really want to go to, or sure, I'll be on the parent council, and I'll bake some cakes for the bake sale. Right? And we find ourselves you know, in the aisles of Walmart at 9.58, that Tuesday night when the bake sale's on Wednesday and we're trying to find something. So the point of this rule or this principle or strategy, if you will, is to shift your default. Shift your default from saying yes to everything to saying no to everything. And to say yes to something, it has to be pretty special. It has to be something that lights you up. It has to be something that you feel in your gut is something that's really important to you. And it's really clearly aligned with what's most meaningful with the priorities that you have, uh, which goes back again to rule number one. And uh, these are kind of sequential, right? If we don't know what those things are, if we haven't identified what absolutely has to go into the jar before anything else is allowed in, and if we haven't done that work, uh, then we'll say yes to everything. And, you know, there's a quote, I think it's probably by Dr. Seuss, that if you don't know where you're going, any road will do. Uh, the same thing is true of priorities. If you don't know what's most important to you, then you'll just take on, you know, what other people or what society or the community is telling you or what you sense is an obligation or you might be afraid of saying no to, right? And that brings us to the third essential strategy for better self-care, particularly in times of chaos, uh, and that's learning how to say no and feeling good about saying no. And so I'm going to talk about some strategies and tips that I've got for saying no in a way that lets people down easy, doesn't come across as being a jerk, and generally speaking, acknowledges the importance of relationship because that's probably the fundamental underlying fear is that if I say no to this person, they're not going to love me. They're not going to like me. They're not going to continue to ask me for things. And who am I if people don't lean on me and rely on me to, to say yes to things, right? So that's embedded pretty deep into our wiring. And I'm not suggesting that that's a bad thing. It's just often what's so, especially for helpers. If you find yourself in the role of being a helper, our default tends to be to say yes. And so it's going to take some practice to learn how to say no to things. So here's some strategies. Uh, strategy number one is to actually just fix the gate. Um, it's way easier to say no to something before you commit to it than having to say no after you've given a yes. Uh, it's really, really important. If you fix the gate and if you can stop requests and demands as they're coming in at you, uh, it's way easier than saying, giving a half-hearted yes and then realizing three months later, oh, I don't have time or the energy and this commitment that I've made is sucking the life out of me. All right. Uh, so a couple different ways you can cushion it with kindness. You can say some, something like, this sounds like a great opportunity, but I have to pass. Thanks for considering me, right? Simple as that. Uh, you can offer some reasons if you want. Um, you know, I can't handle that meeting for you this afternoon. I'm really busy onboarding a new hire, and I've got a deadline to hit, right? Uh, you can leave the door cracked open if, legitimately speaking, now is just not a great time for you to commit to that thing or to say yes. You can say something like, thanks, I'd love to speak at your event, but the timing doesn't work this year. Would you please keep me in mind for next year's summit? Easy ways, so cushion with kindness, offer some reasons, or leave the door cracked a little bit if indeed it's something that you are interested in and it's just a timing problem. Okay, strategy number two for saying no is actually an internal dialogue and it's just checking your ego. Um, let's face it, most of us consider ourselves to be helpers, uh, you know, reliable, dependable, people who can be trusted to help out in a pinch. And like I said, you know, there's nothing wrong with those values uh, so long as we don't over-identify with them. I tend to call it pathological 
helping, when we help other people at the expense of our own needs, our own wants, our own values, our own hopes and goals, right? If I'm constantly having to sacrifice those for other people, um, well, we'll get to resentment later, but that's what, the, you know, really the fuel is for resentment. Um, and it's not going to get us any closer to those things that we care about if we're saying yes uh, to everything else. So a question is to, to ask yourself, you know, am I doing this thing? Am I saying yes to this thing because I truly want to? and it's fully aligned with my needs and values, or am I doing it out of fear of saying no or bruising my ego, right? Am I saying yes because it feels good in the moment and I'm going to regret it later and maybe even resent it and I'm afraid of maybe bruising, having my ego bruised? Okay, final strategy for saying no is to actually reflect and realign ourselves. So sometimes we find ourselves in a commitment that made sense at some point in life. Um, you know, we really did enjoy that book club or that volunteer board position, but something has changed. Life has changed. It is absolutely perfectly reasonable to reflect on your commitments, even if they're self-imposed commitments, and ensure that they're aligned with your current needs, values, and goals. So that's what I'm going to leave you with today is I'm sure that your life has shifted. I'm sure that life has changed because of COVID-19 and the impacts that it's having on employment and school and, you know, whether you're self-isolating and social distancing and all of those things that are really important to stop the spread of this virus, those, that's a new reality. And with that new reality comes an opportunity to re-examine some of your commitments and your priorities. So go back to exercise one, which is the jar exercise and figure out, you know, what are those golf balls? What are those things that are actually so important? They have to go in regardless of the size of the jar. I'm going to make sure that one or two of those are in all the time. And for me, that's purpose, family, and fitness. Those three things, you know, I try and make time for every day. And I don't anticipate that those things are going to change. But like today, I had to reprioritize and make sure that I got some of my fitness needs met because family was soaking up a lot of it and I was being getting a little bit stressed out about the work and purpose side of things and so a run going for a run really helped but that's the practice the run is the practice the principle the strategy is to prioritize and to make sure that what I'm doing is the most important thing at any given moment Okay, thank you for listening to this short episode of Powerful like I said we are going to hit the pause button on the base camp, the powerful community building, even though community is so critical and so important. Uh, I, and I hope that you have lots of community around yourself right now that you can lean on in these times of chaos and turbulence and stress that we find ourselves in. Uh, but I think that this conversation about self-care is more important. And so I'm going to spend the next couple of episodes talking about uh, more strategies. The, the four domains of self-care are up next, next week, where we'll talk about how to think about self-care a bit more broadly again moving past this idea of yoga and green tea and i'll introduce you to a couple of other really important strategies and principles that you can take and make sure that your practices align with those things thank you so much and if you know somebody who is struggling a little bit and maybe a little bit overwhelmed with what's happening in the world if you wanted to pass this podcast along to them i'd be grateful for that and i am doing some free webinars on self-care as well so you can always check that out at www.jeff Coulard, J-E-F-F-C-O-U-I-L-L-A-R-D.com for easy and free access to those over the next little while. Uh, be well, and we'll talk to you soon.